Welcome to Living Proof, the podcast series of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. We're glad you could join us today. The series Living Proof examines social work research and practice that makes a difference in people's lives. I'm your host, Peter Sabota. Thanks for downloading more than 300,000 of our podcasts. We'd love it if you took a minute to tell us what you like or don't like about them and what you'd like to see us do next. If you're an educator and you are using our podcasts in your courses, please let us know how. I know some of you are, as I've seen them on course syllabi out there. So let us know. Go to our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu forward slash podcast and click the contact us button. We'd be thrilled to hear from you. Hi everyone. Gorgeous foliage, tart Cortland apples from nearby Niagara County, fresh apple cider, and seasonal festivals all over town. It's fall in Buffalo. Have manufacturing age income maintenance programs outlived their usefulness? Are short-term safety nets the best we can do to respond to the challenges of the new economy and turbulent financial times? In this episode, our own Dr. Yunju Nam describes her research into an alternative called asset-based policy. She contrasts traditional and current income maintenance responses with a paradigm-shifting response that seeks to address the longer-term needs of social welfare recipients and reflects what researchers are learning about the tangible and psychological benefits of hope, personal responsibility, and risk-taking behavior. Dr. Nam argues that our current income-based safety nets assume a predictable economy and a ready supply of jobs. In this approach, loss of a job is regarded as a temporary bump in the road that can be bridged by a short-term income-based infusion of public support. She points out the limits of this model for the current economic reality and describes a new response in social policy that provides opportunities for recipients to save money over time by encouraging savings and investment, not just consumption. Specifically, Dr. Nam describes individual development accounts and child development accounts as more realistic responses to the poor outcomes of temporary income assistance for those struggling in or near poverty. Asset-based programs deliver services and resources with sites set on long-term financial independence and security. Our guest describes the psychological impact that asset ownership has in terms of client hope, motivation, and quality of life that goes far beyond our current safety nets and outdated temporary stabilization efforts. Dr. Nam outlines the various benefits promoted by this new paradigm, noting that in the United States, asset inequality is far more pronounced than income inequality. Dr. Nam concludes her discussion with comments on the role research can play in ongoing asset-based social policy efforts. Dr. Yunju Nam is assistant professor here at the UB School of Social Work. Her research and professional interests include social welfare policy, poverty and economic inequality, asset building policies and programs, and elderly immigrants. Dr. Nam was interviewed by Dr. Kelly Patterson, assistant professor on our faculty here at the UB School of Social Work. Greetings. Today I am speaking with Dr. Yoon Joon Nam, who is an expert on asset-based social policy. 
What is asset-based social policy? And why do we need asset-based social policy in addition to income maintenance policy? Asset-based social policy is a new approach in addressing poverty and socioeconomic inequality. That is to say, asset-based social policy has been suggested and adopted to overcome the limitation of traditional income maintenance approach of the past. Although income maintenance approach has played and will continue to play very important roles for low-income families' survivors, it is not enough to lift them out of poverty in current economy. Income maintenance approach is a model for all time for industrial era when high school graduates could get decent job with middle class wage and good benefit. So when the job was stable and then high school graduate could get middle class job, income maintenance policy prevented many families from falling into poverty at the time of economic difficult times. For example, when people retire, they could get social security income so they could survive. And also when they lose a job for a short term, they can live with their benefit from public assistance programs. But economic environment has changed and we may need a new approach. In the post-industrial information economy, we need an approach to encourage higher education and risk-taking. For this reason, essential for long-term economic development. For many families, even middle-class families' income is not enough to finance children's college education. And in order to take risk, an individual needs assets to go through difficult times and invest for their new business. In addition, asset ownership may have positive psychological effect. It may create future orientation, encourage owners to plan for the future, and teach them to how to manage their money. Since assets are flexible and owners can use their assets for what they need for their long-term development, asset-based social policy is likely to empower the target population. Despite the role of assets in families' long-term economic security and development, the U.S. government has not encouraged low-income families to build assets. Until recently, asset-based policy had targeted only high- and middle-income families. For example, tax-based asset building policies such as income tax deduction of mortgage interest and retirement saving account rarely benefit low-income families because many low-income families do not have any tax liability. The majority of low-income workers are not eligible for employment-based retirement program such as 401k. At the same time, Social policy discourages low-income families from saving. Most social programs for low-income families, such as temporary assistance to the needy families, have asset limit. That is to say, low-income families cannot have asset above a certain level in order to receive public assistance program benefit. In summary, asset building policy itself is not new in the United States but it targeted only high- and middle-income families for many decades. 
SFA Social Policy is a new direction in social policy. It aims at empowering disadvantaged population so that they can achieve long-term economic security and development. By helping low-income families accumulate SF for higher education, homeownership, business startup, or retirement, SF-based social policy helps people to move out of poverty and achieve lasting economic gains. Unlike income maintenance policy that meet only short-term consumption need, by expanding SF building opportunity to cover low-income families, SF-based social policy may reduce economic inequality deeply rooted in American society. Then why are assets and savings so important to social policy? Could you explain that a bit further? Assets and savings are important for social policy as well as social research because they are critical tools for long-term economic development and indicators of socioeconomic inequality. The various roles of asset, however, have not recognized for many decades, since asset and savings were believed that just another forms of economic resources for consumptions. As income maintenance social policy focus solely on low-income families' consumption need, social policymakers and social researchers view asset as a storehouse for future consumptions, especially for low-income families. To dominant theory of asset, life cycle hypothesis and buffer stock theory define saving as a way of balancing the fluctuation of household financial resources for consumptions. In these theories, individuals and families save when their current income is higher than average and this save their savings when their current income is lower than average. So they save when they have more income than usual, and then they spend their savings when their income is lower than usual. For example, for retirement, or like when they get retired, or when they lose a job. But asset and savings are more than just storehouse for future consumptions. As briefly mentioned earlier, assets are instrument in promoting general capacity of individuals and families to advance economically, socially, and psychologically, and politically. That is to say, assets are essential tool for long-term economic security and development. For example, asset ownership can help families not to make costly financial decisions for short-term economic pressure. Children do not need to drop out of school and get a job to support their families when their parents are unemployed when their family have savings. Assets may promote development of other types of assets, including human capital. Savings help families finance their children's college education, which have long-term positive effect on individuals throughout their lifetime. Assets also allow people to take prudent risk. People can use their savings for new business investment, at the same time, asset also has psychological impact. Asset, especially home ownership, improve household stability by providing stable residence to families. Asset ownership also helps people to manage their financial issues and motivate them to learn more about financial management. But more importantly, asset may encourage future orientation by connecting people with a visible and hopeful future. 
When they have savings in bank account, people can plan for their college education, buying a new home, and uh, new businesses. Young people with the asset are likely to view their future differently from their counterpart without any savings in their bank account. In summary, asset ownership likely to give hope and future to individuals and families. In addition, assets are good indicator of social and economic inequality. First, asset inequality is much larger than income inequality. Ratio of white to non-white income is about 1.5 to 1, but ratio of white to non-white net worth is about 10 to 1. White have one and a half times income of non-white, but 10 times wealth of non-white. Furthermore, assets are passed from one generation to the next. Although high-income parents are more likely to raise their children to become a high-income individual, investing into their children's human capital, the transmission of high-income status is not perfect. Case from high-income families can be low-income people in the future. But asset transmission from one generation to another is different. Parents' assets can be transmitted to their children perfectly, which maintain economic inequality in the society. White and non-white gaps in wealth reflect the history of racial discrimination. Racial wealth gap reflects the historical legacy of slavery, Jim Crow rule, and segregation and discrimination in housing and labor market. In summary, assets and savings are critical instruments for long-term economic security and development, and at the same time, a good indicator of inequality in the society. That's why we should pay attention to asset and savings. Dr. Nam, what is the current status of asset-based social policy? In the past two decades, the United States and many other countries in the world adopted asset-based social policy. Universal and progressive asset building programs. In the United States, American Dream Demonstration provides empirical evidence that low income families may save for their long term economic development if appropriate instrumental support has been provided. ADD, American Dream Demonstration, is the first social experiment that tested individual development account that is, saving incentive program for low-income families. Led by Michael Sheridan and funded by Ford Foundation, ADD offered saving matches to low-income program participants. If the low-income participant save into their account, then ADD provide the same amount or some amount of saving to their individual development account. So low-income participants were motivated to save for their long-term future. Recognize the potential effectiveness of the individual development account program shown in American Dream Demonstration. The federal and state government instituted individual development account programs throughout legislation, executive order, or administrative decision-making. For example, the SF for the Independent Act of 1998 create the first federally funded national demonstration program for IDA. The SF Independent Act mandated the Office of Community Service 
in the Department of Health and Human Services to award five-year grant to IDA programs to non-profit organizations, government agencies, or to finance institutions collaborating with local community-based organizations. As for the Independent Act was trying the idea of individual development account for long-term economic development among the low-income families. In addition, there has been a legislative discussion of several bills of child development account, such as America Savings for Personal Investment, Retirement, and Education Act, 401Ks account, and Baby Bond. A child development account is a universal and progressive saving incentive for children whose goal is to offer saving account for long-term development for all children in the United States, especially those from low-income families. Globally, several countries have adopted child development account as a national policy. Examples include Canada, Singapore, and the United Kingdom. For instance, the UK government introduced Child Trust Fund in 2005 with the aim of ensuring every child has savings at the age of 15, helping children get into the habit of saving and teaching them the benefit of savings and the importance of financial management. Child Trust Fund offers every child born after September 1, 2001 an initial voucher of at least £250 for savings into Child Trust account. Child Trust Fund also allow families and friends to save their own money into Child Trust Fund account with tax benefit. Research showed that Child Trust Fund was effective in boosting saving rate, especially among the poor families. What roles has research played in promoting asset-based social policy? And what research has been done to promote asset-based social policy? As briefly mentioned above, the discussion and adoption of asset-based social policy has been promoted by empirical evidence from American Dream Demonstration. As in case of other social policy issues, asset-based social policy has relied on research findings and will continue to do so. Policymakers often make decisions based on empirical evidence as well as political calculation. Policy and program developers use information from social research to identify program or policy features effective in achieving its policy or program goals. Research has played an important role in asset-based policy development and adoption. After the American Dream demonstration, there has been various research efforts to promote asset-based social policy. First, there was a poor finance project that was supported, funded by the Department of Health and Human Services and conducted by Center for Social Development and Urban Institute. And I was honored to be part of this project. This project aimed at summarizing existing knowledge to guide future research on asset. This project reviewed existing theories, conceptual models, and data and empirical evidence on various topics related with asset and asset building. This project also identified gaps in current knowledge so that give some questions for future researches. This project 
look at what is effect of asset ownership and what determine families asset accumulation. It also look at the various definitions of asset in social research and it also examines the current data set with asset information. So the poor finance project provide a research map for future researchers. So it built a foundation for future research on an asset building policies. At the same time, there was some effort in developing asset-based economic well-being measures. Economic well-being measures plays very important role in social research and social policy development. As you can see, in case of federal poverty measure, it guided social policy and social research. For example, federal poverty measure determine eligibility of many social public assistance programs. At the same time, federal poverty measure indicate the economic status of society because if the poverty rate goes up, it indicates many families suffer from the poverty so that government need to do more. But pure economic well-being measures take into account asset in measuring individual and families' economic well-being. So it is essential for long-term policy and research agenda to develop asset-based economic well-being. Recently, the asset poverty measure was developed, and it estimates how much savings or wealth a family need to go through short-term unemployment period. But it's not a comprehensive, but more comprehensive measure was developed, that is Basic Economic Security Index. The Basic Economic Security Index is the first economic well-being measure that estimates how much savings should be regularly made for various types of families in order to ensure long-term economic security and development. The best estimate saving amount need for a retirement, children's college education, emergency, and homeownership. In that way, BEST will guide families' financial planning and inform policy development by setting thresholds for minimum saving amount for each type of families. Also, there was a series of empirical research projects on the effect of asset and educational achievement among families. And this study showed that having asset promote encourage the low-income families, children's to stay in school and go for college. Another big project in asset research is a seat for Oklahoma case. This is a large social experiment to test the idea of universal and progressive uh, children's development account. And it was conducted by Center for Social Development with the collaboration of the state government of Oklahoma. Seed OK gave college saving account to every children in the treatment group, and it also has a control group without any intervention. So by comparing the result between the treatment group and control group, it will show the effect of the child development account on the children's development. Thank you, Dr. Nam, for lending us your expertise on asset-based social policy. We are looking forward to hearing more about this important research in the future. It was my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity for me to present my work. You have been listening to Dr. Yoon Joo Nam discuss asset-based social welfare policy on Living Proof. 
Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean at the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about who we are, our history, our programs, and what we do, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. At UB, we are living proof that social work makes a difference in people's lives.